Please say your name. My name is Edmund Davis. And what do you do? I am a entrepreneur, uh, but before that, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm a husband, and I'm a father to a son. Okay. Well, Edmund Davis, um, I really wanted to actually interview you because, um, one, because I see your social media posts all the time saying that uh, you wanted to like give back to the community. What was the phrase you used? Investing from within the community. Investing within the community yes, and stuff. And um, here at Arkansas Voices, we want to make sure that, you know, we uplift everybody that's actually trying to do some good and change and stuff. Yes, sir. So, like, um, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. I am uh, pushing 42. And, uh, you don't look it. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> that. And for the last 18 years of my life, I've been in the classroom. But uh, the Lord provided another opportunity for me to do something different. And that's the path that I'm on now. I'm originally from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I've been in Arkansas for 15 years. I've been in the South for 22 years. And uh, when I left Louisiana Tech University, before um, I came up here, I was uh, a bodyguard. <laughs> I was uh, a bouncer. I know it doesn't look like it, but uh, I have a unique set of skills. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but um, after that, I became a graduate student and uh, I was recruited from Euler to Euler to come up here and, and teach. And I've been a history professor at Arkansas Baptist College at Louisiana Tech University. That was where I was a GA graduate assistant. I taught at Pulaski Tech for four years. Then I've taught at Euler for one year. And also I taught at the University of Phoenix for five years. So of course my last day in the classroom was December 8, 2017. And I was given my walking papers on the 3rd of January. <laughs> so since then I've been in the store full time, my wife and I, my lovely wife Monica, we both uh, co-own a store called Unity Graphics and Designs, where we keep couples in mind. And so, of course, that's her slogan, our slogan. We like to bring unity back to the community. And so in this case, we're talking about communities that are economically and socially uh, depressed, economically are challenged, and in neighborhoods that uh, have many deficits. And so in this case, with Unity, we try to bring unity by using T-shirts as a, as a platform to bring uh, unity to relationships to bring back godly relationships and couples uh, moving forward. It was my wife's uh, vision. God gave it to her and she shared it with me and I agree. And so we decided to go ahead and go into uh, the platform of opening up a brick and mortar store called Unity Graphics and Designs. We're, we're, we're having this meeting at right now, this interview. So uh, I, I always like to ask people like how they started and I'm always interested in how did you, when did you, when did you get the bug that you want to teach? I got it at Grambling State University. No, scratch that. I got it at uh, back in Philly, West Philly. My biological dad would always tell me to know about your history. He would always say, learn about American history. More importantly, learn about African-American history. He said, because you can't take away one without the other. African-American history is world history. It is US history. It is, uh, you know, American history. And so he would always have me watching shows, uh, whether it was um, uh, Soul Train or whether it was, uh, you know, even the A-Team with the V.A. Baracus. Yes. Just all these types of shows from the 80s, different strokes. You know, of course, uh, I grew up in the 80s in the early 90s, but I'm just watching those shows back in Philly. My dad would always interject uh, a historical question in everything that I did. He would always say, learn your history because the man who is in power knows their history. Mm. And so, of course, I took that to a high school. Then I took it to Gremlin. And my major at first was... Uh, chemistry and biology but me and Matt didn't get along too well so I had to go ahead and change that but I was academic all-american in my first semester that's good but I had to change that and uh, I went from chemistry and biology to a history and the rest is a history as they say but I prayed and, and God answered those prayers I wanted to be a college professor of history and so of course it started out at Louisiana Tech with me being a GA a graduate assistant and I was just taking role at the time and talking to students counseling them and uh, those classes back then at Louisiana Tech in 2000 were large, like 100 and something students. It took me 20 minutes to call the roll. So I'm like, wow, this is crazy. And so I went from that to, uh, uh, I got a phone call from Euler to come up here to Little Rock. Yeah. And uh, there's a guy named John Merritt, retired police officer here, and, and Steve knows him. John Merritt is a, a you know, good friend of ours. He's almost like a big brother to me. Okay. He said, hey, you can stay. They called me Prodigy back then. Mm -hmm. He said, Prodigy, you can stay at my house 
while you're teaching at York, just to get your foot into the door. Yeah. And I taught two history classes there, one U.S. History, one World History, and uh, in their history department. And I've been there ever since. I've been here in Arkansas ever since. But it started out with Euler first, and then Pulaski Tech, and then after that, um, Arkansas Baptist College for 10 years, yeah. and uh, University of Phoenix for five years, kind of simultaneously. I was an adjunct professor at one state, one, at one outfit, uh, University of Phoenix, but I was full-time. A lot of people don't know, and this is on the record. I started out as a counselor at Arkansas Baptist College, okay. and a part-time professor, adjunct, inch inch, but of course full-time counselor. I couldn't stand that, but you know, I figured my natural ability was in the classroom and being a facilitator, instructional facilitator, and I just love history. And my dad planted that seed in me 25 years ago in Philly, uh, growing up in you know West Philly, and so. Um, that's how I became uh, in love or became a fan of uh, history, all types of history, not just American history, but history in general. Well, I'm interested also, and uh, you said you're from Philly and you went to Louisiana first? I went to Louisiana first, yes, sir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How was that, like, you know, from, from kids that are going to graduate, you know, this spring and everything else, and afraid from leaving home, mm-hmm. how was that for you? There was some challenges that I met, and uh, I was a late bloomer, late bloomer, because Traditional high school students graduated at 17. Uh, I was 19, almost 20 years old when I got out of high school. Okay. And, uh, you know, be that as it may, failed fourth grade. I made up for that because I went to summer school when I got the grandmother four years in a row, three years in a row. But um, it was a challenge because uh, I was used to having my mother and father at home. And a lot of, you know, also, uh, Mr. Smith, Freddie, you know, a lot of African Americans don't have that element of having a father and mother at home. And uh, I wasn't victim to that. I wasn't uh, in that demographic. So what was my reason for, you know, dropping off any kind of way? Yeah. So when I got to college, I said to myself, and this is honest to goodness truth, it was 1996. That was the year that the Olympics were in Atlanta. I remember uh, because uh, Donovan Bailey won the 100 meter dash and uh, I couldn't stand it. But anyway, my Canadian friends were talking trash and track because I ran track at Grandma. But um, I knew and I prayed to God that I would, uh, you know, graduate on time, year 2000, and uh, that I would go into a graduate program after that. I didn't know it would go that fast because, you know, what I had planned lined up with what God's perfect will was. So now I change up my prayers. I pray it's in God's perfect will that my uh, concerns meet up with what His perfect will is. And so, uh, and I'm ready for all challenges if it doesn't turn out the way that I want it. So okay. again. Um, but it did with Gremlin, with that history piece and me being a history major, those components all fell into place. And at Louisiana Tech, um, I was, of course, master's in history. And being a GA, I've had a couple of small setbacks. My biological dad passed away. Yeah. I was there and I had to go ahead and sit out, and that was difficult at the time. And uh, but, I, but I definitely uh, stayed on track because my dad would have wanted me to finish the program, the graduate program. So I finished the program. I thought about him, I thought about my family. I was the first one to go to college and to actually graduate. And so I'll repeat that again. I was the first one to go and graduate. Several went, but they didn't graduate. Gotcha. And so, of course, that's the distinguishing marker between me. I'm not better or, or worse. It's just persistent. You know, exactly. And that's what it's about. And I, I told people, at least I'm trainable, you know, yeah. to be able to finish that advanced degree program and to do something else. But uh, that's pretty much uh, how that all played out. Now, like, uh, just a quick little point. You said earlier that, you know, like, a lot of African-Americans don't have a father in, the, in their life and everything else. Like, did you did you ever know this? That, uh, I found an found a, a interesting study that said that African-American males spend more time with their children than any other uh, demographic. And, you know, partly is because of our employment issues. <laughs> yes, yes. But because, yes, sir, because of that, uh, that employment, I think the, the last time I checked, and you can correct me, I think it's a 3.8 or 3.1. I'm not sure, but it's between those lines as far as the uh, um, unemployment rate, uh, which is, uh, it's actually improving. You know, yeah. Even under this administration, yeah. it's, it's improving. And so we, we have to make note of that. You know, but it's, it's unique you said that question because, uh, you know, I saw my dad and he was a master chef. He had his own restaurant in the 70s before gotcha. I was born. You know, he was a truck driver. He was a jack of all trades and master of all of them. You know, he was he had a carpet cleaning business. And that's how he met my mom. My mom used to work for my dad before they got married, before they, you know, 
couple. And so, um, you know, he did that. And African-American males, I've seen him working in this store over here, mm-hmm. Unity Graphics and Designs. Uh, Little Rock is comprised of a 42% African-American demographic. Yeah. And over here, we're 63%, I believe. That's Southwest Little Rock, 72209. It's part of Ward 7. And um, I see a lot of African-American men with their youth, with their children. So, you know, those numbers, you know, could be skewed in yeah. different, you know, facets and things like that. But it's interesting, you know, we try to advocate in the classroom, and I was in the classroom those 15 years here, 18 overall, I tried to advocate that to people, all people, because we have a lot of, you know, Caucasian Americans, European Americans. I don't ever say white, because white's like a piece of paper. I don't yeah. know why I look like a piece of paper. <laughs> my European American brothers, my Caucasian American brothers, a lot of them have that uh, as well. But those numbers are paled in comparison to what's in our neighborhood, what's in our communities, as far as the African American dads not being at home. Um, but there are some, and people are not really talking about it. They don't address it enough. So we want to be able to do that uh, moving forward and to help raise the bar with that, to help have a conversation, you know, to that. And we try to do that here in Unity Graphic and Design. We try to, you know, have that conversation because not just with couples, not just with uh, being married, but also being involved in your son or in your daughter's yeah. life. Yeah. So, of course, that's where unity starts. And my dad always used to say, and I have to go on record and say this, a family that prays together stays together. He used to always tell me that. And so, as leaders, you and I, we're married, we're, we're dads, we're, we're husbands. We have to keep, you know, our wives, you know, in prayer. Yes. And of course, we have to pray with them and for them. And of course, our sons too, our children too. You know, we have to do that. So, um, you know, that's 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 what we stand for here. But uh, that's a, that's an interesting question. Now, you also said, you know, I mean, you really answered my question. I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you, um, how did you start being an entrepreneur? But I mean, you said your dad had like four or five businesses that he's running on the side because i mean a truck driver is an independent contractor they they managing Mm -hmm. their bookkeeping and everything else yes and then i'm being a master chef Mm -hmm. so you saw so now i'm interested did your wife have any type of entrepreneur background she she did her dad who uh, i never met uh hg bonner he was out of the hot springs area now don't laugh uh, her biological dad, if he were alive today, he'd be in his 90s. So, of course, uh, my wife is, we're in our 40s, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but uh, here it is. Um, he was 55 when she was born. And he was a successful business owner in Hot Springs. Gotcha. We grew with him a couple of times. And, uh, you know, he wasn't first and foremost in her life like you would say a traditional uh, family would be. But she talks about him a whole lot. And uh, he was a barbershop owner. He uh, owned several stores or businesses in Hot Springs in the 60s and 70s. And, uh, you know, she always tells me, she reiterates this in our bedroom, talks a whole lot about my dad this, my dad that. This is where I get it from. This is where I get it from. And she uses the analogy of, this is what your dad did, this is what my dad did. Let's go ahead and let's do this. And again, I have to fully admit, uh, God gave Monica the vision about having this store. He didn't give it to me. And so my job was to come along because my first book, that was the, the idea God gave me. And so she supported me with that endeavor. And that was my job to switch roles and support yeah. her yeah. with the store. I'm just the muscle and just the, the guy that just helps with publicity and things like that. But the original thought was given, uh, the Holy Spirit gave it to uh, Monica. Monica Davis about uh, Unity Graphics and Designs because she's seen so many broken relationships mm. in this area where she lived. But um, back to your question, our dads were both business owners, were both entrepreneurs. Mm. And uh, of course, uh, yeah, and I was trying to tell her, even when working for Arkansas Baptist College, I wasn't working for a man. You know, I was working for an institution. Yes, uh, there's a structure that's set up in place. And I was in my comfort zone. And I always tell her, you know, sometimes in order to grow, you have to get out your comfort zone. And so, of course, that's where we are now in my phase of life. I'm out of my comfort zone because this is something different I'm not used to. But I think it's needed. I'm going to go ahead and try it full time, full fledged. Uh, but um, Bonner, her dad's last name, and Davis, of course, my name, my dad, were both business owners, both entrepreneurs, whether it was a barbershop, a restaurant, a truck driving, carpet cleaning business. My dad always had contracts coming at him. And uh, he 
must have been real good at what he did because he had all these menus and I saw mm. his name everywhere. I'm like, wow, this is kind of cool. People all over the city of Philly know about my dad, even when we struggled because uh, I went through a, a, home, a homelessness spell uh, with my family, you know, okay. you know, it was from 86 to 88, you know, back and forth. And so even with a man, a hero, my first superhero was my dad having those uh, skill sets in place, you know, uh, for us to still hit that street, you know, uh, you know, life has its turns and twists and I'm just grateful it, it made us stronger. Stronger, so I appreciate that. I look back at it now, you know, uh, that's you know, outside of what God and His grace has done, my biological dad, and what he did, and what my mom did, standing by him the whole time, you know, she stayed with him the whole time through those rough spots. Uh, you know, I've been there and done that, so for me, I'm that actually, that actually goes into my, my next question. I like to ask somebody to tell, and you, you, uh, you can tell me another story, like mm-hmm. a resilient story. Mm-hmm. So, what. You know, but you got knocked down, dragged out, and you had to come back. Yes. Uh, of course, the one about us being homeless, and I can remember vividly, uh, I'm not sure if you or anybody down here remembers, but uh, it was May 13, 1985. It was this uh, movement in Philly called Move uh, with uh, the Africans different lifestyle, but to make a long story short, the city of Philly dropped the bomb on a block. I heard about it. Yeah, I was a few blocks away when that happened. Really? I was like nine, ten years old. I remember to this day, Freddie, uh, what happened. I remember seeing the helicopters flying over and uh, we did the 5822 Chestnut Street, West Philly. This happened at 61st Street. Yeah. Spruce and people up there, a lot of kids lost, children lost their lives. Of course, it was the police and fire department against uh, the Africans. And of course, it was an issue with skin color. We all know about that. And also living conditions and things like that. The mayor at the time was uh, Wilson Good, African-American, first African-American mayor of Philly. Uh, but the police chief, I believe at the time, had some other stuff going on. Uh, Frank Rizzo was involved as well. And you can read you know, a lot about that. But I said all that to say that um, that time frame that next year, um, our landlord at the time uh, looked at my mother through a peak hole, and my dad caught him. So of course, uh, mm. you know, so it didn't turn out too well for, for us or the landlord. Yeah, and we had to leave out, and uh, I'm glad my dad didn't go to jail. Uh, but um, we left out, and we were homeless. We just kind of stayed in people's basements. We stayed in people's uh, apartments, and it's myself and three other sisters, four from this union with my mom. Because I've got 11 other siblings. Dang. So, right, it's, we have a big family. But, uh, so we lived in, in basements and we stayed in, uh, you know, a couple of hotels. I remember uh, staying in some movie theaters, you know, back then in the, in the 80s. Movies cost like three fifty, five bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember when uh, the movie that came out, Adventures in Babysitting. I remember uh, Never Met Me, part three. Yeah. yeah, Freddy Krueger came back in part three. And uh, some other movies that kind of said Predator, Schwarzenegger was out, that was like 87. So these movies kind of, as a historian, these movies stick to me. Yeah. What I was doing, maybe 12, 13, going to a radar movie when I was supposed, supposed to go. You know, but I have the facial hair like we did, you know, back in the day. So uh, these things kind of just kind of stick out. But getting back to your question, having that struggle and being resilient, you know, uh, I remember seeing, you know, my dad still kept a job. My mom still worked. She was a waitress. To this day, she's still a waitress. So it's been 40 plus years. She's been, you know, helping other people with their businesses, being a waitress. And she's got a good name in the city. And uh, we know how that's good. You know, Bible says having a good name is, is, is better than having, you know, riches. And so my mom has a good name with that. And so now, of course, my sister has a catering business in California. And of course, my other sisters work with my mom in restaurant and, and businesses back in uh, Philly still to this day. But being resilient, getting back to that point. Uh, being homeless and finally the Lord opened up the door for us to have an apartment in 1988. I remember because uh, school days came out mm. and also uh, um, what else was going on? It was the Olympics with uh, Carl Lewis actually won the gold medal because Ben Johnson got caught on steroids. So it was in South Korea. I remember that. I watched the Olympics because we were homeless and then of course we had an apartment and we all sat in front of the TV and watched for the first time the Lakers had lost I think to the uh, to the uh, Pistons, 
And I remember James Worthy coming into the locker room and giving Isaiah and them a congratulations. I remember seeing that as a teenager growing up. But again, we had our first apartment back then. And so being resilient, going through being homeless and, uh, you know, sleeping in train stations and, you know, sleeping in people's basements for a long time and getting back to my historical vision here, I remember because Doug Williams was the first African-American quarterback in the Super Bowl Man, you with the <laughs> Washington Redskins in 87. And my dad had a picture of him up on the basement wall. Not the house, the basement wall because we lived in the basement. And, and I messed up and put some markers on his eye and I got oh. my butt kicked because I messed up Doug Williams' face. Lo and behold, 10 years later, guess who I'm eating lunch with? Who? Doug Williams at uh, Grambling because uh, he was Grambling crazy. State's coach Yeah, uh, with football. Did you so, tell him uh, the story? I did not. But, uh, of course, Doug has a connection with Arkansas Baptist College okay. because when Fitzhill's first book came out, Doug Williams wrote the forward to that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, that that's another story. But my book came out the next week after that in 2012, my first book. And so it was just unique. But getting back to the resilient question that you had, um, my family and our family stuck together through those hard years. And uh, when I went to Grambling, um, and that was the first couple of years going through that homeless phase and you know and I try to tell people there's a difference between uh, being shelterless and being homeless mm-hmm. being shelterless you just on the sidewalk curled up with a blanket over you yeah. we didn't get to that point we were homeless because we didn't own anything and uh, we were staying with other people I think we slept, exactly we slept in the train station I remember as a young man doing that and I didn't want my sisters doing it so they had places to stay I do have a quick question yes, sir. Um, how did you, how do you stay in the movie? Yeah. Uh, well, the thing about that is, uh, I remember being in the Capitol. It was on 52nd Street, and uh, it's now a drugstore. <laughs> but um, they would play two movies or three movies back to back. It would be a gotcha. little intermission, mm-hmm. and so that whole time, you know, uh, we'd stay in there instead of trying to go different places. My parents would even drop us off, and of course, uh, we didn't have any cars. It would be SEPTA. Except this acronym for Southeastern Transportation, Southeastern Public Transportation Authority, SEPTA. We would catch a SEPTA bus or a train or a subway or whatever and get where we had to go. And I would always be there to try to help my parents out. You know, 11, 12, 13, you can't do too much. Yeah. There's a curfew and there's just different things. Well, we didn't have curfew. But, um, you know, I was always working, you know, with my dad in the kitchen. And that's why even to this day, at the Davis household, the Davis Estates, I'm the cook of the house. <laughs> Monica makes my ties look real good. I can't do a tie like she can, and I'm a man. And I'm not ashamed of that, but she makes it look real good. But I cook the meals, and she can cook, yeah. but she doesn't have the uh, little skills that my dad gave me. <laughs> so uh, she, she's not ashamed of that. She's, she's got that good. But um, yeah, sleeping in the movie theater and also on the train station, uh, I remember going to the mail and men's room and washing up. Mm-hmm. And things like that. I remember when we lived in that basement on 1643 Lansdowne Avenue in West Philly. I attended John Hanna Elementary School. That was my second round of fourth grade. I failed the first time because, uh, and that stayed with me. I was real bitter with myself about that. Not my family, but with myself. Because I could have done better, but then my alibi, my disclaimer was, well, I was homeless. Yeah. And so my second round of fourth grade classes, because um, I started school late, and that's why I told you getting back to saying I was 19, 20, going as a yeah. freshman in college. I got let down. That set me back one year. Then I started school late. That's two years right there. Mm. Most of the time, you're four or five in the first grade. I was like six. Mm. Uh, well, when I was five, but then I got let back in fourth grade. So, But um, saying all that, uh, it, it all goes back to uh, the resiliency of my family. Looking at my dad and his model, he didn't do a lot of talking. He just worked a whole lot. And I saw my mom, she always had a job, and uh, those two met because she used to work for him. But um, it was always in the culinary arts or food industry. My dad was a baker too, he baked pies, and he made ice cream with snow. I kid you not, I saw him make ice cream with snow. He took vanilla extract, not the imitation, the real vanilla extract, it's potency. He took something else, something else, and he took some snow. He went in the backyard and got some snow. He didn't take uh, the snow from the bottom, of course. Yeah. He took the snow that's off the top, the fresh snow, and he made some ice cream with it to this day. That was 30-something years ago. But I remember him doing that. He took some, I remember yeah, in the lecture. Yeah. But that's that's what he did, you know, back then. And we lived in that 5022 Chestnut Street. And the last time I went by the house was in 2009. 
in an apartment house. But uh, yeah, so those memories come back. Now, you, you are really elaborating on the importance of having a good role model. Because, you know, I believe that it's kind of hard for you to become something that you don't never see an example of. Um, how... Tell us about a role model in, in, that's been in your life that, you know, maybe you have not have, uh, uh, said thank you for them. Thank you, Jim. I recognize. Incidentally, the same day Michael Jackson died, of course, and also the same day I proposed to my wife. <laughs> so I wanted to find something. God put it in me to find something to help counter those two bitter moments in my life. When MJ <laughs> passed away. I was mad about that. I was crying in traffic when I heard that noise. On my way to Olive Garden with Mr. Crenshaw. And so, of course, uh, in West Little Rock, Michael Jackson died. But then I was thinking about my dad already. He died the same day, years earlier. But it was his anniversary. And then, uh, you know, it's crazy. You know, folks don't know this, but Crenshaw was in a crash that same day. He walked away from it, though. It happened on, on Pope Street. But, uh, you know, but then I proposed to Monica at Crenshaw's house on that same day. I said, this would be a game changer in my mental history and my psychology. Game, it would be a game changer. But um, Crenshaw, again, getting back to it, see how God works. And then uh, Dr. Milton P. Crenshaw, told him before but uh you know he's been pretty much the second dad in my life even though when I was in my 30s and in my I think I was 29 when I met him but I'm thinking in a non-perverted way my best friend is a 90 year old man what's going on here guys what's, I'm hanging out I'm 29 30 hanging out with 90 year olds but what's the catch you know so of course I didn't realize it years later it would be a book it would be uh just relationships like this now yeah. I mean this man's made his transition to be my father but he's still blessing me in certain you know ways I'm like man this is because of Crenshaw he passed away since 2015 he's still blessing me from beyond the grave and uh so I, I thank him uh for, for, for that I thank God for what he's done but but Crenshaw biologically and you know in terms of uh, us as mortals yes Crenshaw I want to thank our, our little sister uh, for being a resilient mom So I was hit on the 18th of uh, August, 18th of uh, April, 2010. I was on my Suzuki 800, and I was hit. You know, I was in a coma and, and you know, life support and all that kind of thing. But uh, God didn't call me home. Yeah. But the devil said a few things to me. I just didn't listen. <laughs> he didn't know who I was a child of God. He was trying to. Yeah, I'm sure he knew. He was trying to play with me. Anyway, to make a long story short, my wife was there the whole time. She had a choice to do a lot of things and hang out with a lot of people. But she decided to be in the hospital with me. This is before we got married. So okay. I kind of, when the Lord woke me out of that coma, I kind of figured, this yeah. is a winner right she here. Doing, she doing yeah. all the wifely stuff before the ring. Exactly. So I thank the Lord for her. And uh, we don't always agree to the things. And, but I know we can all take it to scripture. We can just come to the Lord and go into prayer mode and, meditation phase and you know we know he's going to work it out for us not yeah. us so but definitely uh because uh, we don't always see eye to eye on things and, but we're a team and uh you know i would literally uh, put my life on the line for her as a building christ put, put his on line for us and so um you know she's uh you know she enhances me all the way around and uh you know i really really want to thank her for that and that's been the last 10 years of my life you know in our dating phase and now the uh, ultimate phase and uh, you know that unique partnership relationship marriage we have. I got another question for you um, I like that you know in everything in life I, I found like entrepreneurship or whatever 
everybody wants to quit when they just right close to the winch. Can you tell us a moment that you know that you did not quit, but you wanted to? Yes. Uh, as a speaker, as a professional speaker, and again, through Milton Crenshaw, writing his speeches up and everything, I became uh, requested, and uh, now I can actually charge. You know, but now it seems like I can charge now. Folks don't want to pay me. I'm like, what's going on here? I don't teach anymore. This is my supplemental income. You know, and I want to, you know, do that full time. I have to hire an agent or a marketing person to do it. And so that's the phase I'm in now. But um, there's been several times where I wanted to just uh, throw in the towel. And again, getting back to Monica. You know, she said, you know, you're right. You know who you are. You don't know who my husband is. It's what you can do. And so that kind of helps me out a whole lot. And uh, to have her in a, in a, in a way stroke my ego if you will you know she does that and it helps out a whole lot you know uh, words are very powerful as we know they told us a big lie years ago did some songs that break my bones and names that I don't know names can get you killed names can hurt a lot of people so yes. we have to be careful with that so um but that, that's the point of history exactly <laughs> exactly and so getting back to that the question of being a speaker uh, I wanted to throw on the towel but you know she's been agent to, to my skill sets and uh, even with the store here you know we've had some dry spells and uh, gotta be you know, totally transparent you know uh, whoever's listening I want them to be able to learn from this and uh, you know we noticed that on both sides of the store there's empty slots which is not good for the one in the middle you know and so uh, but we're still open you know um, the store just recently closed up yesterday around the corner I won't give the name but but we're still open it's been it's been really really dry in terms of foot traffic over here and uh, you know it's been a, an eyesore to not see people come over here you know but, but we're still open and uh, I've been outside on that sidewalk right there Freddie I've been trying to get especially women to come on this side reason why I say that and I'm taking you know, I want them to see that when I ask them to come through. A lot of think I'm trying to holler at them. I'm like, no, I just want you to come check out the store. I have to craft my presentation with the words that I say, the phrases that I use to make it seem like I want you to come into the store because I do want you to come to the store to look at the product. You don't have to buy it and just come on the side and look. Give me five minutes of your time. I'll become a hustling agent out on the sidewalk. I'm like, wow, okay. That's an entrepreneur. The entrepreneurial spirit. And so, uh, and I've told my wife several times, we have to have to improvise here because um what's taken away what we're putting in it doesn't match up what we both know businesses it takes three to five years mm-hmm. to, to see the uh you know gross and so um this is year one as of today it's year one congratulations so, thank you well, most folks don't make that. it to year one yes thank you and so uh it's been god the whole time giving back to him you know because uh we've been complimenting each other my wife and our son he's worked for us okay. uh, in the past we had him on the register and doing different things. He brings that millennial swag to it. And so, uh, you know, so it, I wanted to throw on the towel and, you know, plus with the campaign initiatives going on here, uh, it gives us an incentive to help, you know, keep it open. You know, even if it is a, a 12 round fight, you know, they used to go 15 rounds back in the day. That was 12 rounds or a 10 round fight. Uh, we're gonna go full 12 and uh, we're gonna do our best to, to remain open and serve our community. And that's where we get the term investing in you know, the community. I want to definitely do that. But uh, I did want to throw on the towel, not as a quitter, but just to re-improvise, to recalculate, to recalibrate, to restructure, to reform, and to review the old business model, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and there's nothing wrong with that. Our president has uh, filed for bankruptcy several times, yes. you know? And he's been successful at businesses. And again, sometimes uh, being successful is, is closing the door yeah. before another one open up. And so, you know, we see that. And so, uh, you know, that's where uh, that comes from. But, um, okay, I got another question for you because this is a great segue. Um, I like to ask people about the terror barrier. Like, like you just kind of alluded to, that you are running for office. And, you know, a lot of folks don't want to jump in this political world. Right. <laughs> so, like, kind of tell us how, how do you get past the uh, terror barrier? And then why are you doing it? 
excuse me, and thank you for that great question, uh, Freddie. People have told me, and I think I alluded to this a few minutes ago, about the things that you do with social media, and uh, I didn't really realize until a few years ago the power that it had. I put out a couple videos, and they got a lot of attention, in a good way. I try to post things that are positive, things that are godly, things that get people thinking in a good way, things to empower, to inform, and to inspire. No crazy pics of cussing, uh, scantily clad women, or anything like that, because again, getting back to the Davis thing, you know, I know it goes back just outside of Arkansas to Philly, New York, West Coast, and, uh, you know, I don't want nothing to be smeared with, with that. So, you know, people, my mom and my aunties, if you will, I guess I said aunties as they say in the South, but my aunts in Philly, you know, and, and Pennsylvania, they would all say, hey, you know, are you a politician? You could actually do something in those ranks and those seats in the seat if you're elected. So, no, I don't want to do that. People at Baptist College would say some things like that. Okay. And, of course, uh, my wife mentioned it you know, a year or so ago. And uh, I said, no, that's really not me. I don't do that. I'm, I'm comfortable in a classroom. Mm-hmm. And so uh, then I began to feel really, really poised and pressed to leave the classroom due to other things. But um, then I believe the Holy Spirit said, hey, you can actually entertain this idea of being a city director or a mayor. And of course, by me being former president, I was past president of the Oxford Valley Neighborhood Association. During our last meeting, Freddie, I kid you not, man, the mayor showed up and two other city leaders showed up. And uh, I don't recall inviting them, but if I did, that was the first time they ever came. So I'm thinking, this is the last meeting out of two plus years. And uh, they show up. Okay, great. We have a good platform here. So my last remarks, I stand corrected if I am telling the story, but I believe it's true. I said to them, everybody, hey, you never know, I might run for mayor, I might run for city director. And it was an LOL moment for me. But the next day, I got a call from an important person in the city. Uh, Then, congratulations, I heard. I said, no, no, I didn't say that. This was eight, nine months ago. Eight months ago. And so uh, then I got a call from a state official, not city, a state official called mm. me and said, hey, bro, I'm mad at you. You didn't tell me you was running. I said, no, sir, no. Uh, um, who said that? And I heard it from XYZ. It was somebody else that was at that meeting mm. that worded it as if that I was running. I said, no, I might think about running in the future. You know, so it was an LOL moment. Yeah. Uh, they took it out of context. And so, uh, you know, but that was probably one of the Genesis moments actually to do it because of the remarks that I got from that and then I posted another video here in the store and it gained thousands of hits on it and views and I said hey this, this we got some momentum going here and so people say you're a great speaker and you got connection with the young folks and people listen to you and I said okay uh, but I want to first serve God and keep it godly keep it effective keep it efficient keep it truthful keep it transparent we can we can do something you know, but of course I'm going to have a council of elders around me because I don't know half of what they think that I know and I want to be able to be effective and know what I'm talking about from the book's perspective and from experience and from talking to people so I want to be able to do that and so uh, after prayer after talking to my wife uh, you know and I told her what, not what I was feeling because I don't, I'm not led by my emotions I'm led by you know the truth and uh, you know I was told that um, from my wife that is, she said, I said, go ahead and do it. Mm. I said, you sure? She said, yeah, you said you want to do it. I said, all right, let's go ahead and do it. And so um, we again prayed on it again. And, uh, you know, we said, okay, there's no turning back at this point. I'm not going to put my foot out there and then not move any forward without, you know. So I said, okay, we'll go ahead and do it. And uh, that became the uh, start that became the genesis for where we are now. Of course, it's growing bigger and it's getting bigger as we speak. I had somebody yesterday tell me via social media, in the inbox that is, I want to get on the campaign. I'm thinking, okay, there's people that I ask and there's people that are asking me. Yes. Thinking, wow, okay, this person is connected. This person uh, has grown children. 
and they volunteered their children. I said, okay, that's great. <laughs> it's a family thing. And they said they were willing to donate several hours a month. And uh, I said, wow, that's good because we need all help we can get. Yeah. I don't have a lot of money. We, the campaign doesn't have a lot of money. We plan to, to, to raise money for this. And it'll be a paper trail, of course. Uh, but, um, you know, I'm not a paper chaser like that. I want to get paid for my services. But uh, being a city director is not one that you get a lot of money from. Yeah. I'm talking about speaking and other duties that I do, whether it's in the classroom or just being executive director of a museum or something different like that. So, uh, but again, as far as this political walking, you know, I know it's a, a vicious game. I know uh, it's cutthroat. I've learned some things, have some quick, you know, lessons already. And I'm like, wow, okay. But again, I'm thankful for it. I'm not led with my emotions. And I'm not going to snap on people and do anything that's just uh, very, very immature or professional uh, or ungodly. You know, got little people like that that's going to have to keep me in check. What is the reason why you're running? Well, my platform is my cause. And my cause, we have a spell that's an acronym. And I'm glad you asked that question. The uh, C stands for community. I want to invest back in the community. Okay. It's that hashtag, um, investing for within the community. So, of course, the A stands for advocate. And I'm an advocate for youth and young adults. That's the responsibility program. It's on the shirts. That's something the Lord gave to me about four plus years ago. It shows young people how to respond responsibly to law enforcement. And it's not bashing law enforcement officers or agents of authority. It's just telling people, not even just young people, all people, all Americans, you know, to there's a certain way that you can respond to help minimize and de-escalate situations. So that's the A in that. The U is to utilize. I want to utilize the city's resources and apply them to where they need to be in areas like this that economically at a, you know, margin. And of course the S for safety and, and health reasons. Uh, you and I both know there's besides tzatzikis, there's only uh, maybe one healthy eatery for 50,000 people this side of town. Yes. And 37,000 just in 72209. So again, we have to address that. There's only one gym over here that's open to the public that you can go to course they may be open up another one but I, i'm still waiting on that one uh, of course that's the s in the cause and of course the e is for entrepreneurship and where we're sitting at right now unity graphics and designs that's one area to let people know we're not just talking this we're actually living this we're in a battle we're in a struggle here uh, with uh, keeping a small business open yes you want to call mom pa so be it uh, but we provide a unique service with shirts and things like that and also folks that want to have meetings back here you know we do that as well so that's my cause, my platform. So that's one thing I want to help elevate the uh, game in terms of uh, Ward Number 7. And of course, the whole city in its uniqueness because we all know there's seven different wards. And so there's 10 ward directors. And so I want to help become one of the agents of change in that seat of authority uh, come June, excuse me, come uh, November the 7th, 2018. Okay, I also like to ask, you know, you know don't put your foot in your mouth. Um, how would or how could the voters keep you accountable? Like you know, like like something to use. Like hey, if I if I did get elected, this is what I would definitely make sure I do or won't do. If I did get elected, this is what I definitely wouldn't do. Do or won't do? You pick either one. Yeah. Um, servant for a servant leadership role, you know, also the people in your neighborhood, it's important because that's where you're from, and these are the people that you represent, you're an ambassador of sorts, and so I'm really big on that, and I just kind of look back at what I've been doing the last 15 years of my life in the classroom, you know, granted every student's not going to like you, 
Yes. And I don't do it to be liked anyway. And I tell people, I tell students, and they're all adults. That's the good thing about it. I can, you know, be transparent with them and not need no FERPA list. Well, need FERPA, but uh, anything to be signed off. You know, I tell them to hold me accountable if I say something. You know, I don't cuss in the classroom. I don't do anything that's vulgar or demonic or just. Exactly. I'm like, look, I want y'all to hold me accountable. If I say I'm going to do something, write it down. And to, to listeners, to people, uh, when I when I win the seat, you know, hold me accountable in terms of what I say. But of course, I know not to say a whole lot too, you know, because yeah. people will hold you accountable for what you say. And so my job is to listen. My job is to learn. And to, of course, first and foremost, to love, you know, listen, learn, and love. And those are the principles that I go by. So, um, you know, when that seat has a new person in it. And then now there's something else, like, I, I don't know if you mentioned it. Um, what I found, like, you know, that's one of the main reasons why I'm opening Arkansas Voices and stuff is that there's nobody really educating us about policy and stuff. So how would you... Like you said, you, you want to listen to your, um, your people in your community. How would you do that? Visiting them, having sessions, you know, roundtable discussions. And again, for this to be a, a win-win situation, people are not to actually come to the table. You know, but the table has to be presented. And it could be aging to change from a residency or civilian standpoint, a property owner, a renter, saying, hey, you know, Mr. Davis, hey, you know, Director Davis, Sure, I'm here to listen because that's what I do anyway. When I was president of Oxford Valley, you know, when I was uh, even with the store here, we've had this small space back here open to a number of different venues, and uh, excuse me, we definitely want to, you know, still have that platform, but we're going to raise the bar. I'm going to make it. Well, I want to. I would say I want to make it. I'm not saying I'm going to. The plan is one of the plans is to have these community conversations, you know, about okay. what, your, what your wants and what your needs are. I mean, those are two different things now, what your wants yes. and what your needs are. And of course, it's budgetary issues and all that kind of thing. But uh, to have those community conversations, to visit people, and my wife gets on me all the time because I have a unique relationship with elders. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and I think it started with Crenshaw, but we have elders now that you and I both know that I, that I visit. I just kind of pop up on them, call to see how they're doing. Just because I'm in that seat of authority, in that seat of servantship, public servant, doesn't mean I should change or I should minimize that. I still want to be able to do that uh, from that from that standpoint and change that whole dynamic uh, because it's a, also it's a personal relationship. I want to be able to do that and to have those conversations and, and to have people hold me accountable when we're talking. I want to be able to have a and not just see my board of directors, just. Every other Tuesday, you know, I'm gonna be a, an ambassador. I'm gonna be walking around the neighborhood. That's that's what I do anyway. So, uh, you know, being able to take that. So it sounds to me like you're gonna be, if you do get elected, um, a really approachable city director that's, that's talking to the community on a regular basis. That's that's the goal. That's the plan. And uh, again, having a team, and I think this is the, the key, having a team. Church family, and my biological family, all tied in really real lives again. So I put that video out there how many people was watching what I was saying, what I was doing. And I think over the last 15 years of my life, I had, I think I did a count, thousands of students. I know that number is wrong. I know I had more than 5,000 students. If I do 30 times five classes, times summer, spring, and fall, times 18 years, yeah. 15 here in Arkansas. It's got to be more yeah, than yeah. 5,000. Yeah. So yeah, just is. anyway, for the most part, I have a good relationship with them. We stay in contact. Hey, Professor. Hey, Mr. Davis. Hey, instructor. Just on social blogs all over, different states, you know. But uh, and I, I like I, I like your style, which you, at least at least what you're saying that you know you are a relationship-based individual, not transactional. Base. I feel like a lot of us is too cold. Um, 
If somebody wanted to get a hold of you, tell them how, how would they get a hold of you? They can reach out a number of ways of social media. I would say on Facebook, um, on the uh, Campaign for Evan Davis page on Facebook, they can reach out and inbox me there. Uh, they can also reach out via the email address, uh, of course, my campaign director's email address, and uh, my email address. And uh, we have those as well. I don't remember his email address verbatim, but uh, if I can get it written down, I'll be able to uh, you know, give it out. But my email address is uh, edmund.davis.abc at gmail.com. That's one. But the other one is E. Davis, City Director number seven. That's just the numerical seven at gmail.com. E. Davis, D A B I S, City Director, the number seven at gmail.com. And of course, uh, the other means to get in contact with me is also Twitter. You can just kind of Google me via Twitter. It's a hashtag Edmund Davis. Those are the most fundamental ways that you can reach out to me. My campaign manager, his name is Steve Finnegan. Uh, he's retired military, retired uh, police officer. You know, definitely a good gentleman. And he's uh, the captain of the ship, of the ship owner. He's the captain of the ship. So he's definitely uh, well abreast. And, you know, he's been doing a great job. And, uh, you know, you can reach out to him as well. And uh, I've got Steve's phone number. Okay, but I'll be able to uh, provide that at a later time. Okay. Okay. Um, now that we're wrapping this up, um, thank you for you know uh, spending time so I can interview and get to know you. I want to I want to actually talk to all the city directors and give them some highlights of about so they be able to talk to the community. Um, real quick, do I have permission to use this as the medium? Yes, you have permission to use it. I don't, I don't see why not. You know, you get a little page and a change and. I believe in investing for within the community, and uh, you're an investor in the community as well. So we all are. So uh, this is this is an agent of change. We're at a precipice now where uh, you know something unique is going on. We have to get people out there and vote on November the sixth, and uh, you know it's the midterm season. It's really really important.